This is a Federal News Network podcast. As the Biden administration gets up and running, incoming State Department appointees see an opportunity to revitalize that workforce. A report from the Partnership for Public Service shows the agency saw its first net staff reduction in decades that occurred under the Trump administration. The agency has also seen a steady decline in employee satisfaction surveys. That goes back a decade. For more on what might be state's next steps under the Biden administration, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with a former senior intelligence service executive, now a senior advisor with the partnership, Chris Cox. I do believe the Biden team uh, certainly got the first step right in nominating Tony Blinken as the next secretary of state. From everything we've heard, Mr. Blinken is very focused on revitalizing the department, which will be a whole lot of work and a heavy lift. And I'll add this, addressing the significant foreign policy challenges ahead alone is going to require exceptional leadership. Doing that and also rebuilding the department will require real leadership courage. And I do believe Mr. Blinken will bring both to the department. Very encouraging to hear that there is some momentum for them to build off of here. One last point I did want to revisit just from the Trump administration, of course, the reduction in staff numbers that was a major goal in the Tillerson transformation. We're some years removed from that, but I think it's worth bringing up just where the state of the State Department workforce is in terms of ability to meet mission, just given that overall reduction in force. Anyone who knows the Department of State understands the workforce at the department is highly committed to the mission. They will always lean forward and always get the work done. Uh, I've had the opportunity to serve alongside department officers, and they are world-class. But as you might expect, and to your point, uh, staff departures combined with the extended hiring freeze in 2017 that actually extended an additional 13 months beyond what was put in place by the Trump administration, it had an impact. But as you might expect, staff departures, combined with the extended hiring freeze in 2017, increased the workload of remaining staff who had to keep the trains running with less for sport. And I think importantly, attrition can also deplete the department's institutional knowledge, as well as their diplomatic relationships that are important to foreign policy work. These kind of resources can take years to develop through these civil servants and foreign service officers. It can take years. And backfilling a position doesn't necessarily compensate for the knowledge gap caused through attrition. And certainly attrition at the more senior levels can be disruptive. Changing gears here a little bit, I think something that's very timely is in the first couple of days of the Biden administration, the executive order that President Biden has signed overturning what had been a pause of diversity and inclusion efforts government wide. And I think that has particular relevance to the State Department, just knowing that they have been working on their latest diversity and inclusion plan. Could we maybe walk through what a good, insightful diversity inclusion plan could bring to the agency and what a good plan should include? I'll start by saying diversity inclusion are central to the department's mission and also their future success. There's no doubt about it. We know that fostering diversity inclusion will improve performance. It'll create more engaged workforces. And in the department's case, best represent America's abroad, as you just mentioned. Uh, Very important points. The department has now made diversity and inclusion a strategic priority and has put some good initiatives in place, uh, like having recruiters across the country seeking competitive candidates from all backgrounds and focused on underrepresented and disadvantaged communities, uh, targeting historically black colleges and universities, and increasing the number of Pickering and Wrangell fellowships that add talented and diverse foreign service officers to its ranks. 
but there's a whole lot more work to do. From our team's perspective, a next DNI strategy should be that DNI should be part of every part of the revitalization efforts that are coming. Things like recruiting, hiring, onboarding, professional development, mentoring, and leadership training, also supervisor and management training for starters. All of these things that will need to be addressed and are being addressed present opportunities to advance diversity within the institution, and the time is now. I'll also add to fully support the workforce, to maximize performance, and to best represent, again, America abroad. The department's leadership needs to commit fully supporting DNI and all of its work, and we have already heard this message clearly, loud and clear, from the newly arriving leadership team with the arrival of uh, Secretary-designate Blinken and his team. So again, I'm encouraged. We were talking a moment ago about workforce retention and making sure that institutional knowledge stays at the agency and benefits the rest of the workforce. With that in mind, I'm looking at some key pieces here of the report, looking at things like leveraging workforce data to ensure that employees are engaged and satisfied with their work. We talked a moment ago about the agency's new analytics center. How do you see that at all? benefiting the workforce in this area, or more generally, if you could speak to better use of workforce data at the agency. I'll start with the obvious. Uh, Workforce data is essential to any effort to strengthen the workforce and to revitalize the agency. You need to have that data. Simply put, what gets measured can be improved. And by making data actionable, the department can better facilitate reform efforts. So it begins with data. You may know, uh, each year we, do, we work with Boston Consulting Group uh, to produce our best places to work in government rankings. This is drawn from data from the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, the FEVs, that come out each year. The report has shown a steady decline in the department's scores going back to 2010. I think this last round, they ranked 13 out of 17 in large agencies, which is a significant dip over the past decade. But using this data, the department can better understand staff morale levels. They can identify areas for improvement and take steps to increase retention rates as one example. We also know that employee engagement is a really broad goal that can be addressed by many of the recommendations we put in place such as improved performance management, improved professional development, or better leadership accountability through things like 360 reviews. So the partnership will continue to measure using our best places report. But the department, as I mentioned before, has stood up this new center for analytics, which offers new ways to measure mission performance, but also has the potential for measuring the kind of impacts we're talking in here through uh, revitalization efforts. So I would say more to follow on this, but again, I'm encouraged by where the department's moving with this new center and how they're using data today. Of course, retention is only one piece of things. Recruiting is the other. What high-level recommendations are you seeing here as far as what the agency could do to bring in the next generation of talent? Great question, hard question. There's a new generation of leaders that understands the importance and the value of diversity and inclusion, and they will rightly expect nothing less. So that's my number one in terms of how to do that. Something we've touched on, clearer career paths for civil service, and also the option for shorter career arcs uh, are attractive to younger generation. For example, bringing in some officers with special skills or technical skills uh, for limited periods and providing them an opportunity to serve and gain new experience. Not everyone is looking for that 30-year career like I did and my peers. This is a new generation, so having those different opportunities will attract talent. And again, many younger people in the job market seek jobs that offer strong 
professional development opportunities and state-of-the-art technology. Both are areas where the department needs to make some gains and is seeking to do so. This is a tough challenge, a competitive environment, but I think they're on track to make some gains in the near future. Chris Cox, senior advisor with the Partnership for Public Service and former senior intelligence service executive, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's Sentence Clarity Rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.